Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. How are you? This is Jim the Keys bartender coming to you from a definitely a humid Key Largo today. I had a late start of it going to the, the gym. And it's interesting, the dynamics at least. It's interesting to me. I hope it's not boring to you. But what, there's so many people that go in the morning. You know how it is if you're a gym attender. You got your late crew. The late crew is more of a, a younger crowd. You got the uh, early crowd. It's it's a mixture of young, but it's weighted towards the old because a lot of them don't have anything to do the rest of the day. So that's part of their things. Or, you know, the, the, the younger crowd, are, you, you do at right at the opening, let's say 6 o'clock, so they can get a workout before they work, go to the gym. Um, to work. It all, it's all according to taste, and we're going to talk about taste and things like that a little later on the show. But I find that even on my busiest of days, if I can get 45 minutes or an hour of some exercise in, my attitude's a little different for the rest of the day. I did not feel like going to the gym yesterday. I don't know if I, I made... Well, I didn't, I didn't do the podcast yesterday, did I? But I did not. For every moment I spent in the gym was, until the last 20 minutes, 25 minutes, was me thinking, I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave. And I didn't know if it was because I didn't drink any coffee I drank a little coffee. I saved it. I have one of those thermos cups, so I saved it for after the gym. I normally have a cup or two. Today, when I when I drink a cup or two of coffee before I go into the gym, I do feel more invigorated. I was dragging my ass, dragging my ass. It was so hard, and my mind raced. It raced. This old mind raced, thinking, "Well, is this just me getting tired, getting old and tired?" And then I said, "Wait a second. What is some of my routines?" I didn't really particularly sleep that poorly the night before. And then I thought, I didn't have any caffeine. I had a little bit to eat, didn't have any caffeine, drank a little orange juice, and it was out the door. I don't think I've, in 30 years, gone to the gym without having a cup of coffee before I went in or some kind of caffeinated beverage. Years ago, I used to do this Red Bull thing. I would get up in the morning and drink a sugar-free Red Bull. Every so often I have a regular one, but I always worried about being, because I was always borderline, my blood sugar was very high when I was drinking. Uh, it's not so high anymore. So isn't, my blood pressure isn't it either. I, I'm surprised about that because my blood pressure didn't change that much. But uh, while I'm drinking, I guess my blood sugar, uh, my blood sugar gets elevated and the um, blood pressure and that's not a problem anymore but that's not the main reason I go I go there to get mentally uh, set for the rest of the day and I have to do some kind of physical activity to do that and then that that's what I did today uh, and doing this show is part of that routine also talking about matter of taste the gym going to the gym and whether you're going to work out before work or after work, or you're not going to work out at all. It's just a habit you build. I'm saying this 
going to the gym and not going to the gym are part of the same coin. Two heads on the same coin. This is just my thinking. Once you get into the habit, that's why I try, when I see people, new people at the gym, I always try to be welcoming. I always try to be welcoming. And then people go, well, why do you want to do that? Why, why, why wouldn't you do that to people who are going forever? And I go, well, I'm nice to the people that have been going forever, but they don't need to be urged to come to the gym, do they? They're already in that habit. So what's the biggest thing? You know, you go, one of the things is you don't know anybody. And, but if you're automatically accepted when you go into a place, you might be more prone to go there. And there's nothing I like better than transformations. And I'm not just talking about physical transformations. I'm talking about a mental one. It's really uh, self-empowering. Education is self-empowering. Fitness is self-empowering. Mental health is self-empowering. When we get some people that are really stressed out and they decide they have to, um, let's say, do uh, some meditation or seek some therapy or whatever. It's all it's all same thing, all wrapped up together. All this is self-empowering, anything you do for yourself. And when you don't do things, and, and that could include just vegging out on the, you know, I'm, not, I'm not shitting on the idea that sometimes you need just to disengage and watch a little television. I've been known to do a little too much of that. So everything in moderation. If I was able to drink with moderation, I would not be drinking right now. Now we can go to taste. It's only a matter of taste. For anybody that's been a smoker, who's currently a coffee drinker, scotch, whiskey, vodka, gin, straight, think of it. Uh, Likes beets. All this sardines. Was it caviar? So many particular things are a matter of taste. And some things are almost universally embraced, like maybe some fruit. If someone doesn't have a problem, you know, every so often people, you run into a person that says, I hate the taste of oranges. Okay, they may have been beaten by a sack of oranges or ended up working in an orange orchard. But chocolate chip cookies, cake, pie, and let's say went to, through one of those aversion therapy training, like Clockwork Orange, where they taught you not to be. Enjoy pie. You know, you, you wouldn't, you know, some things are universally. Other things are harder. You have to get used to it, right? I was a smoker, and I'm not going to tell you how you experienced if you're, you were a smoker at a time. <clears throat> the first bunch of times, you have to get over the noxiousness of the fumes when you're smoking. And then you're just kind of puffing away and things like that. And eventually, you're just smoking. And you love it. Coffee was the same thing. Now, some people may argue and say, listen, we put cream and sugar in it. When you put cream and sugar in coffee, you pretty much not like coffee. You like cream and sugar. With a taste, the background taste of coffee. You drink coffee. Coffee black. You like coffee. You like coffee. My wife drinks it black. I put a little cream and sugar in it because it's a little strong taste and I'm doing that. And I guess I'm a coffee drinker because I drink bad coffee. 
I drink bad coffee sometimes, and I drink that black and old. You know, coffee that's been sitting around for a while. Same thing goes for certain liquors. You got people, you know, they've been drinking for a while. You don't, you don't start drinking when you're, you're, you know, you're just aged old enough to do it. And you say, I love scotch. First drink. I just love scotch. Bourbon, scotch, whiskey, vodka, gin. If they taste it, they drink it neat. Or, you know, not mixed with anything. They like that item. And a lot of those items, you have to really become accustomed to it. You do. There's quite a bite to bourbon or rye. And recently, and recently, I meant, uh, what, what day was that? Did I do that yesterday? Or the day before? The day before, on Tuesday, I was doing recording the show. At the end of the show, I had a delivery, and the delivery was... Um, I had a, sig- a signature for it, and I knew it was age-restricted. Age-restricted. So and I assumed there was liquor. And I remember I spoke to some representative of a liquor company. Uh, and it was a Saramash. I'm not prepared to talk about it yet because i got to talk to the people first what they want. But I knew that I had to find someone, people, that are used to drinking bourbon because I don't you don't give bourbon a neat bourbon a high end bourbon to someone that's drinking screwdrivers or rum punches or beer or wine they're not going to appreciate that like a person that drinks beer and appreciates lager likes lagers or pilsners or IPAs or belgian blondes that's a beer type and they like those. And you, so when you introduce something that's really strong and distinct, like a sour mash rye whiskey bourbon type, it's got to be someone that has some experience with it. Like your, your grandmother makes the best baba ganoush, right? Well, how do we know unless we eat other baba ganoush? Or, well, anything. So so you get used to it. You know, they're the best. These are the best pierogies I ever had. Have you ever had pierogies before? Nope. Nope. Well, how do you know? So, but when it comes to these stronger liquors, especially bourbon, if you haven't had it, people just go, yuck. Yuck. Oh, I don't know what I'm doing with this. I think this is the school calling me. I will pause. I will be right back. I got to answer this. And we're back. It was, I don't know what it was that called me. They were just, they just hung up when I picked up, picked up the phone. You know, the worst thing sometimes with uh, spam calling or jump calling or whatever you want to call it is, uh, when they don't get the person they want or the kind of person they want, they don't even, they don't respond. They never leave a message. So, so I'm talking about matter of taste. So I get this product in the, in the uh, mail and I noticed it's a really nice bottle and I did a little research and I noticed it was, uh, I guess would you call it a premium, a premium liquor. 
So I couldn't really very well just give it the taste to anybody. Me, I can smell. I can smell. I can't really taste it. What do you mean I can't? You know, just a reminder, I don't drink. And if, you know, I mean, you'll find out. But I don't talk about it all the time. Uh, but even if I did drink, I wouldn't be hold myself up as the expert in bourbons and rice and things like that because I loved, I did like bourbon a little too much. And I could drink from the $15 bottle or appreciate the $90, $100 bottle. But that doesn't make me an expert because I really can't tell if one's a premium. Well, maybe I do. Maybe I did, but that's not what... I, I would have to go to someone else to be, you know, if I had enough people who drank. And that's what I did at work. I brought in the work. I asked my boss, it would be all right if I can ask people and say, are you, you're, I notice you drink scotch. Do you ever drink rye or, or bourbons? And they, you know, people say yes or no. You know, if someone only drinks seven and sevens, I said, do you ever drink it neat or on the rocks? And they'll, they'll say yes. So I, I like to give, when I'm giving a taste to something that's essentially the one thing, you know, taste this and tell me what you think about it. And, and you don't tell them if it's, and I, I didn't want them to show them the bottle because the bottle looks like it's a premium. I want to give, I, I would just say it's not a rail bourbon or a, a rye or sour mash whatever you want to call it. It's all the, it's kind of all the, because bourbon supposedly, it's like champagne or scotch. Scotch is supposed to come from Scotland. Champagne is supposed to come from France, Champagne region of France. Uh, bourbon is supposed to come from Bourbon County or whatever. Uh, Kentucky. And the rest of them are sour mash. Rye. Whatever. So I did that. I went around. I'm asking people. I got I got about eight or nine, and got generally from really good to excellent. The people liking it, and they would want to have it again. They one restaurant manager liked it, and things like that. But I just thought about taste after that. Just taste, and how quickly could that taste be ruined by having one thing bad? Years ago, when I went on a a bike ride, and when I say a bike ride, it was a 70 mile per hour, 70 mile per hour, 70 mile, <laughs> I wasn't going 70 mile per hour on my bicycle, but it was a 70 mile ride, which we were able to handle fine. I was young then, no problem, but it was in the summer. And what we did in, until we started, we didn't drink enough water and all that stuff. We decided to get booze afterwards. And one of the items of booze, I don't want to trash any particular liquor, but it, it is a liquor. It's a little sweeter one. It's based, in, based on whiskey and it's old. I mean, it's been around for a while. And I drank about a pint of it. A pint. About a pint. And I was out for about uh, 28 hours. 28 hours. I was down for the count. And 
from that day, I wouldn't even drink it. And it was one of the things I used to drink with ginger ale and things like that. That's in early on when I was in my mid-20s. And then I started getting a dislike for sweet drinks. Then I started doing drier things like tonics or gimlets and things like that. So my my taste was altered. I mean, it can happen in so many things. Think about people that have are triggered by certain signs or situations and stuff like that. They, um, let's say, amusement park. Something happened really horrible in amusement park. They had a horrible experience at amusement park. They could be turned off to amusement parks. So taste, once you associate a real negative stimuli or experience with an event, a place, a thing, it's hard to adjust that. And same goes for people, I guess, with the types of people or people themselves and and it extends their whole, whole life. So you just got to be familiar with that what why don't you like that thing why don't you and it had it made me think about taste because of the bourbon uh, uh sour mash a uh, ride that was sent i i know i called it all those things i'm going to take a break right now to uh talk about my sponsor key largo chocolates operated by the peterson family it's a favorite destination for locals and vacationers they have locations in key largo and Isle Morada. The one in Key Largo is 10470 Overseas Highway. The one in Isle Morada is 81933 Overseas Highway in Isle Morada. And what you'll find there would be an assortment of handcrafted treats, um, such as 36 flavors of small batch ice cream and sorbets, sorbets, truffles, fudge, cookies, and their world-renowned key lime pie. And frozen key lime bars. And these are just to name a few. You'll find some uh, just those key spin on some of those traditional favorites. You'll find like a key lime fudge and other items that are associated with the keys. And it makes great for gifts when you're coming, when you're coming home, you need to bring something home. Who doesn't want something like that? Or you can go to their website, which is www keylargochocolates.com and check out their wares. And you can order it and send it to someone. That would be great, wouldn't it? You forgot to get a gift for your aunt. And it's her birthday. It's her 80th birthday. Maybe you're going to send her some uh, key lime fudge. Don't send them the frozen key lime bar, though. Because I don't think it'd be... I mean, I know there's technology, dry ice and stuff you can ship, but... I, um, well, you know what? I guess I shouldn't be saying that. There's so many other things you can send and items that they have on a website. So just remember, Key Largo chocolate and ice cream in Key Largo and Almorada. And their website, www.keylargochocolates.com. And when you get the opportunity to go there or speak to anybody there, tell them that the Keys bartender sent you. Okay. Let's get back to it. And finally, I want to end the show with, what did I write here? It was creative cursing. You know? You became cursing. 
cursing is using expletives or descriptors to be able to talk about things that show that you're an adult. When when teenagers start cursing, they curse because they they feel as if they have the agency to do it. They're right. It's their first steps, and they'll just throw it out there to say, "Look, I'm an adult. I can say these things." And when you know an adult hears it from a kid, they go and say, "Wow, um, what? I mean, what gives you the right to say that?" And say, so "You say it all the time. I can say it." And and you look at it and say, "Yeah, but you're not using it correctly. Just use it." You don't use it. It's not always just an insult. You can use it as an insult, but you can be a little creative with that. And I'm sure years ago, I remember, and it was kind of a, a light cursing, but it was one of the, when I was in high school, one of the ladies that worked, I worked in catering at the time, and the lady said to one of the cooks, she says, you know, you are the jack of all asses. Instead of, it went for, you know, it went from jackass. I guess it was a combination of jack of all trades, but master of none, and jackass. And she said, you're the jack of all asses. And I thought that was such a good one. I... I was taken aback, and for years now, I just thought, mm, if only I had the, I would call it the, the understanding to be able to use that type of language. You know, like someone, when someone wakes someone up and say, I, rem- I, I remember someone say, cockle-doodle douchebag. Hey, I thought that was excellent. Or uh, when they do very alliterative ones, where they work in, um, you know, all different words and stuff like that, and you think I'm going to be going and doing a bunch of cursing, even though I list it explicit, I'm not going to do it because if I just create, if I just spoke out a bunch of phrases and things like that that I lifted off the internet and that I didn't remember. That would be disingenuous because the best thing, the best thing when you're being creative is when you come up with it on the spot. There was an episode of Seinfeld where George came up with a great insult and he didn't, wasn't ready to use it. And he set, it set in motion events where he tried to stage a situation where he's able to use this insult against a coworker. And it never quite worked out. It always seems as the short-term, uh, ephemeral, creative way of just going in there and laying it all out. Just, just when you say, this came off the person's head. They never said that before. Once you hear something a second, third time, it kind of loses its um, shock value or entertainment value. It's like how many times you're going to go to a, uh, the same comedy show. But the first time you see something and you just experienced it, just like someone going and saying amazing things that you can't even remember. 
if you look back and say, and if you're appreciating, I'm an aficionado of pretty good cursing. I don't think just random dropping of F notes or one of these, like, um, in British television, you notice they use the C word a lot, and it's not cock. It's the other word. But people don't get stunned by it. It's rough language. But it kind of does have its place. But if you're going to use something to be particularly insulting or derogatory, don't you owe it to the people that are listening to put some work into it? When you sign a birthday card, do you just go, happy birthday, love Pam? No. You got to put something, hey, remember that thing and something like that? Don't buy a, a bikini that um, that's too small, Miss Camel Toe, or whatever, something like that. Make it creative. Make it stand out. If you're one a plain speaker, you can go and say, it's, it's, it was a fortuitous event when we met in the past. And you always meet in the past, don't you? You don't meet in the present unless you're meeting right now. You can plan to meet in the future. Yeah, I'm getting on sidetrack. I'm going to make this one a short one today because I'm kind of getting off track. But whenever, you know, I would, I would challenge anything you're trying to do, try to be creative about it. Try to go someplace that no one's gone before. And that's, uh, that'll just put a little more verve in your step, vim in your vigor. Whatever you like to call it. Well, this is Jim, the Keys bartender. I'd like to thank our sponsor, Key Largo's Chocolates, again. If you'd like to visit them, their website is www.keylargochocolates.com. I'll talk to you later. Bye.